0: Over the next couple weeks, you get a couple guest speakers here. We're doing, uh, over the next two weeks, Pastor Swap Sunday. And so uh, I'm going to go to the other two sites, Nelson and then Balfour. And then uh, I think next week, it's either Jeff or Jason is going to be here. But uh, uh, they're awesome uh, speakers from the other site. And so you get to explore some of the other work that God is doing on here. So please, when they come, uh, welcome them and love on them, as I know you will. Uh, Today, we are going to talk on... About greed and gratitude. We've been working uh, through the book of Ephesians. And uh, before we do, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we uh, more than anything else desire to, to connect with you, we desire to hear your voice. And so, Father, I, I pray that as we um, open your word and we study uh, what you have to say to us, I pray you would speak to us. In fact, maybe just each of us in this moment, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through this time. Amen. Amen. This is the text we've been working through over the last uh, month here. It says, "Among, uh, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Because we have a new identity, uh, we are to live in a different way, and over the last four weeks, we've been talking about good sex, bad sex, based on verse 3 there. And then it says, Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So he says here that... There's not to be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking that, that comes out of our of our mouth. And this is really a playoff, the verse that was uh, just a few verses before this. If you remember, we talked about this probably in October. It's been, <laughs> it's been going through pretty slow here. Well, I guess we did the Hearing God series, that's why. Uh, but Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who or listen, uh, who listen, and we need to make sure we understand the point of this text because sometimes, you know, really religious folks look at this text and uh, they will see that this only has to do with things like swearing or something like that and and they hear someone swear and they freak out, but at the same time, they go around and are super judgmental and gossipy. And the main point of this text is about judgmentalism and gossip. Pretty much 99% of the time when the Bible talks about words that come out of our mouth, it is speaking about the way we talk about others. Uh, the Bible mentions things like gossip and slander over 50 times. That our words are to be words that, as it says here, the second part of this text, uh, to be words of thanksgiving. And we better make sure that there are more words of thanksgiving coming out of our mouth towards people than criticism. Our words are to be described as thankful words. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Notice he says, only. The only words that should come out are those that are actually helpful in building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. And so our words are to be fulfilled with thanksgiving. Our words are to be words that, that actually build each other up, not tear them down. And they're to be words that actually benefit those who hear. And when we get stuck in criticism and gossip, I mean, it's just a sign that that something's not right in our heart. And in fact, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And if you find there's anger and gossip and judgmentalism and criticism constantly flowing out of your mouth, then it's a heart issue. And the heart issue is probably that you are not Finding your identity in Jesus, but you're trying to find your identity in looking impressive, or someone just hurt your pride, or that you were trying to build yourself up by tearing others down, when really you're already built up in Jesus. You don't need to do that. And so, again, as we've been talking, even with with sexuality, it goes back to, to the heart. And Jesus, in John 10, said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have it life and have life more abundantly. And really our words can fit into one of these two ministries. There's the ministry of Satan and the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Satan in this world is to kill, steal, and destroy. The ministry of Jesus is to give life and give it abundantly. And our words can fit into one of those two ministries. Your words can either be a part of the satanic realm Constantly killing, stealing, and destroying life from people. Or your words can be part of Jesus' kingdom. As you give life, as you give words that build others up, as you help people. Sometimes those may even be tough words, but they're life-giving words. This is the kind of language that that God uh, calls us to. But that is not the point of the message today, because we did a whole message on that a few months ago. You can probably found it, find it online. But as I was praying through this text saying, God, what do you want me to speak on? Because there are a lot of things we could talk about. Uh, he highlighted these two words for, uh, to me, and that is the words of greed and thanksgiving. So we're going to talk about uh, greed and thanksgiving. And as we talk about that, uh, one of the great texts on the subject is found in Luke chapter 12. And I find there's a lot of misunderstanding about what greed really is or what it looks like within the church. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. This is a story in the Gospels. Jesus is in this crowd, and it says that someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There was a family dispute going on between money, and I think a lot of us, maybe even all of us, know how money can divide. Uh, when someone passes away in the family, there's family squabbles, or you know, spouses fight over control of the money, or whatever it might Money can really divide, and obviously it was dividing somewhere in this family, and so this this person asked Jesus to settle this dispute. Jesus says, man, who pointed me, a judge or arbitrator, between you? He refuses to get involved in this squabble. And the reason, as we're going to see, is because he knows what is going on in this person's heart. I mean, maybe he was just in his reasoning, but Jesus is always concerned concerned about what is going on in our hearts everything the heart is a wellspring of life it's what's going on in our hearts and Jesus understands that there's something off about this man's heart and part of it is his pride and his greed so then uh, Jesus says to the crowd because maybe everybody heard this he uses this as a lesson he says watch out be on your guard against all kinds of of greed, and this is one of those things. I don't know how often we're actually watching out for this. I mean, are we actually watching out for greed in our lives? I mean, usually not really. I mean, uh, but Jesus actually says we need to watch out for it. And the reason he says is that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Now, our culture teaches us that life is found in the abundance of our possessions. I mean, this is what our culture says, that the more stuff you have, the more money you have, the more things you have around us, the more life you're going to have. It's not abundant life in Jesus, but it's abundant life in in your stuff. I mean, do, do you believe what Jesus is saying here? That life does not consist in the abundance of our stuff. Now, sometimes, I know me, I usually say, well, you know, I'd like to try, you know. I'd like to, like to try, maybe, because, because sometimes when you get stuff, it gives you a momentary joy. But this is where we need to take a lesson from, from Solomon. Do you know if you go on, on the internet and you look at the top ten richest people in all of history, that King Solomon was like three times richer than anybody else? He ever lived on this planet? If you look at in today's dollar, someone's worth? He, he makes Bill Gates look poor. King Solomon. I mean, he was worth over $2.1 trillion. Now, you think if someone had $2.1 trillion that he would, you know, finally get, well, I have abundant life and my money and possessions. But you just got to read through the whole book of Ecclesiastes because it was uh, uh, written by him, and it's all about how money and all this fame he had really in the end left him empty. In fact, he says, the richest guy who ever lived on this planet, he says in Ephesians 5, the one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. He who loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. It's like a bottomless well. The more you have, the more you want. You get something new, there's always something newer and more fancy. And, and the culture lies to us saying that life is found in the abundance of your possessions. That if you just get this, a new one of those, finally, you're really going to be living it. And we know what this is like. We get it and we're super happy when we're shopping on Amazon or or whatever store. And you get it and you're super thrilled. But then you're empty again. And you need something newer. You need something bigger. You need something better. You need something from different. Because possessions and money don't really fully satisfy. It is only Jesus who satisfies. Jeremiah 2 says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. The spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I mean, the picture of someone turning from this fresh water and thinking that they can find lo- uh, life in a muddy puddle. And, and we do this. I mean, I do this at times. I mean, you think, man, I just got life in if I just get this new thing. And, and really, there's only one thing that will truly, truly satisfy, and that is a rich, deep relationship with Jesus. Philippians 4, Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, so he knows what it's like to be poor, and I know what it is to have plenty. He knows what it's like to be rich. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty in our want. Here is a guy who said, doesn't matter if I'm rich or if I'm poor, I know how to be content. And the question is, do we? Whether we're having a good year, there's bounty, there's wealth. Whether we're having a really hard year and we're going in debt and our line of credit's getting bigger or we have MasterCard debt. I mean, do you know how to be content in whatever situation you are in? And the reason is, and the answer is, we can be. Paul understood that. He says, I know what the secret is, and the secret is is Jesus. And maybe it shouldn't be a secret for us, but sometimes we even miss our own secret. And that is We find satisfaction in in Jesus. The early Christians really understand me. This is one of those texts that just blows me away and just realizes how much farther I have to go in my walk with Jesus. Hebrews 10. Remember those earlier days, and this is when the church was being persecuted. Uh, People were being killed. Properties were being taken away. It was a very difficult time. Remember those earlier days after you received the light or received Jesus, when you stood your ground in the contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side, those who were so treated. You sympathize with those in prison, and then get this, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Man, I'd be ticked. <laughs> I would not be joyful if someone took my house and my garage and my stuff away. But it just shows how, how, how much bondage stuff has on us. So' it's like how in the world could these early Christians, even though they lost all their money and all their possessions still be content and filled with joy they understood the secret that joy and satisfaction is found in Jesus whether we have lots or little in fact it tells us the reason why right in this text, they joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property why because they knew that they had better and more lasting possessions with jesus and in heaven and this is what we've got to keep working this is one of the battles every culture has their battle we have a battle in this culture to make sure we are finding our satisfaction in jesus whether we are in plenty or in want now what is a greedy person there's a difference between a greedy person and what christ wants to see in us but we all struggle with greed in in various ways Uh, A greedy person is someone who finds their identity in their money and possessions. A Christian is what we're working towards, is someone who needs to find their identity in Jesus. A greedy person looks to money and possessions for satisfaction. A Christian is someone who looks to God for satisfaction. A greedy person loves money and uses people and God to get more money for self. A Christian uses money to love God and love people. A greedy person is not filled with gratitude. A Christian is filled with gratitude. And so Jesus goes on and he begins to, uh, continues the story. And He says this. He told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain and here is where a lot of christians i think make a mistake because they will look at this and say well this person is wrong because they built bigger barns and they had lots of surplus and he was rich actually there's nothing wrong up to the point in this story there's nothing wrong with being rich there's nothing wrong with having a bigger barn and there's nothing wrong with even building a bigger barn the problem is we're going to see is he was greedy and selfish and prideful but not because he was rich not because he had a big barn or was building a bigger one in fact we see in the bible that some people are actually wealthy because of god and if we make the mistake of thinking that greed and wealthy people just are one or rich people are always greedy we've incredibly missed the teaching of the bible Sometimes God makes some people wealthy. Sometimes God makes people rich. To be rich does not mean you're greedy, and to be wealthy does not mean you're greedy. A poor person can be just, if not more greedy, than a rich person. There are lots of times in the Bible where people are super wealthy. Remember King Solomon? It says King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The richest guy who ever lived on this planet. Do you know why he was rich? God. God made him that rich. And so if you make the mistake of thinking in your mind that rich people or wealthy people are greedy or are not living for Jesus, you've just really blown it. Because the richest person who ever walked this planet was rich because of God. You remember the story uh, back in in, uh, Chronicles. Uh, Solomon, God asked Solomon, I will give you whatever you want in the world. And Solomon didn't ask for money, he asked for wisdom and knowledge. And this is what God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire that you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor. And and I tell you, when you get the love of money out of your heart, when you begin to work greed out of your heart, this is when God can step in and begin to add a greater blessing to your life. Since you did not ask for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies... And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you, and I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. And it's still true today. He was the richest person who ever lived and will ever live. And who made him that rich? Who made him that wealthy? It was God. I mean, it wasn't even Solomon's fault. I mean, it was, it was God who did it. So to look at Solomon and say, well, he was greedy and he couldn't have loved God because he was the richest person who ever lived. Actually, those, the wealth was given to him by God. Uh, we see this all over the scripture. We see of Abraham's servant said of Abraham, I am Abraham's uh, servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. Abraham was rich. Why? Because of God. Uh, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Why? Did he have a rich crop? Because God blessed him. The man became rich. Why? Because of God. And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Uh, proverbs 10, now you need to understand proverbs are what you would call mostly true statements. They're not not always true. They're they're mostly true statements. Some of them are always true. But Proverbs 10 says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And the point of this is to make sure we don't fall into this unbiblical trap of thinking that rich people or wealthy people are lesser Christians or are are somehow greedy. They can be some of the most godly, on-fire people for Jesus that put even me or you to shame. Because sometimes they're actually wealthy because of the blessing of God. Sometimes it's their spirituality that has made them wealthy. Now, this does not mean that every Christian is going to be rich. This does not mean that every Christian is going to be wealthy. But there are some Christians who are wealthy because of God. In the Bible, you see four four categories of people. You see a righteous meaning, right relationship with God, not like stuck-up religious person. Righteous meaning, right relationship with God. There's the righteous rich. There's the righteous poor. You see like Mary and Joseph were quite poor. They were righteous. We see Lazarus, for instance, was poor and righteous. Uh, We see the unrighteous rich, and then there's the unrighteous poor. Uh, All throughout the New Testament, we see righteous rich people. Lazarus, disciple of Jesus, who was very wealthy. Where did the early Christians meet? They met in homes, mostly, almost all the time, in the homes of wealthy people, because they had homes big enough to fit a church in, 20, 30 people. They met in the homes, of, and you see all through the New Testament, talking about wealthy Christians. To be wealthy does not mean greedy. You've got to get that out of your mind. Sometimes people are wealthy because of the blessing of God on their life. In fact, this idea of barns and bigger barns and full barns, meaning someone's greedy, it's just wrong. Sometimes people have full barns, again, because they've been blessed by God. In fact, if you do a study in barns, which I did... A weird study to do in the Bible, but (laughs) it talks about barns and God's blessing. Proverbs 3 Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Deuteronomy 28 The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Uh, Psalm 144 Your barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our field. Sometimes people have full barns and need to build bigger barns because God has blessed them. Now, it's also uh, possible that they did that through unrighteous wealth. They're stealing, they're doing horrible things. That's a possibility. But again, the Bible says sometimes people are rich and wealthy because of the blessing of God. And that's intertwined with what Proverbs says, that if you work hard, you tend to usually make more money than if you're just lazy and don't do anything. Proverbs talks a lot about that, and that's the mystery of sovereignty and free will, but that's not the point of today. But some people are wealthy because of God. And so the problem is not barns or bigger barns, but Jesus goes on to tell us what the problem is. So then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I will store my surplus grain. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the problem. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. The problem is, you notice, he's prepared for his self stores up things for themselves and does not have a rich relationship towards God. The issue is the issue of pride, of, of ingratitude, of selfishness, of not wanting to be generous, not wanting to be thankful and only thinking of self and not finding satisfaction in God. When God blesses us with stuff, it is a test in certain ways. Uh, God, for instance, will test us with our own wealth. And I mean, it doesn't matter how poor you are here, even if you had a a struggle paying rent this month. I mean, we're just rich compared to most people in this world. Uh, But God tests us with our own wealth. He tests us in two ways with our wealth. Are you going to go to pride or are you going to go to shame or are you going to come to me in thanksgiving and gratitude? It's a test of pride. This is what it talks about in Deuteronomy 8. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. In other words, be thankful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commandments, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, And all you have is multiplied, and that's all a blessing from God. Those are from God, it talks about. But it says, this is the warning of pride. Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And this can happen to us. Uh, We're empty, we're down, we're in trouble, we're... We just realize we need something greater than ourselves, and we meet Jesus, and we're forgiven, we're delivered from the land of slavery, and and maybe God blesses us, and and we appreciate life, and we get to settle down and get comfortable, and we end up in pride. We say, well, maybe I don't need God so much anymore. I think I got everything together, and the reason you have things together is because of God, but it's that very thing that that causes you to fall away from God. And so he says, be very careful that you stay in an attitude of humility, gratitude, You've got to be careful about that. Because we, we could fall into that. Well, it's my hands and my hard work that produced this wealth for me. You know, I've built a lot of things around my property. I got like a wood miser sawmill and I built a garage and all this kind of stuff. And I can easily stand back and say, Look what I did with my hard work and hard labor. And yeah, that was partly my work. But we've got to realize who keeps my heart beating. We've got to realize who is allowing us to breathe. You got to realize the one who allows me to walk. And I mean, all it says, every good and perfect gift is from above. We receive so much more grace. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not. We receive so much more grace than we ever realize. And this is why we got to be really, really careful that we don't fall into pride saying, (laughs) I got this all, it's because of me. God God is behind much more than we realize. But remember... The Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Again, saying here that wealth sometimes comes from God. Some people are rich because of God. But the, is, is, are you going to end up in pride? It, it's a test. Is your heart going to be able to handle wealth? It's a test. First Timothy chapter 6 says, Command those who are rich in this present world. Again, he says, Nothing bad about rich people here. There's nothing wrong with rich people. But he's saying something towards rich people. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for enjoyment. In other words, don't find your satisfaction in money, even if you have money. is found in God. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of life. Notice that that is truly life. True life is found in Jesus, not in money. So Paul says to those, all of us here who are rich in this world, we gotta be thankful, we gotta be generous, we can't put our hope in wealth, but we need to make sure that we stay humble. God will test us with our own life to see if we will fall into pride. But there's an opposite thing we can do, and that's the test of shame. And sometimes this is what we miss with wealth, that we can end up in a place of shame where we as Christians, some we get ashamed of God's blessings. Maybe you are wealthy and God has blessed you tremendously and you feel ashamed of it because you're like, well, I don't think I should be wealthy because, you know, I just I just feel that's bad or whatever it might be. Proverbs ten twenty two says the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it that you shouldn't be ashamed of God's blessing. If you're one of those people who's been blessed with wealth and blessed with riches, don't be ashamed of it. And sometimes I, I find sometimes people can be ashamed of it. They're always explaining away how they got it, or always trying to explain away, well, I got that at Value Village, you know, or whatever. They're kind of ashamed of what God has given them. I mean, if I gave you a present and you always hid it and you are super ashamed of it, and you're like always trying to explain it away, I'm like that's not being thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If God's blessed you with wealth, don't be ashamed of it. And sometimes uh, wealthy people can fall into shame because, rightly so, they've been hurt by other people who come along and just expect that they should get from them or expect that, you know, they should pay for everything or whatever. But this is a test as well. And the test is this, are you going to fall into pride or shame, or are you going to be where you should be? And that is walking with a heart of gratitude. Pride says, I've earned it. It's all mine. I want more. Shame says, I should not have it. I should feel ashamed. Gratitude simply acknowledges God's blessing and provision. And so this can work in, in, in various ways. Uh, for instance, pride will always want people to think you paid more for it. Shame will always want people to think you paid less for it. Gratitude is just honest and it's thankful to God. And so, I mean, let's say someone comes up to you and you say, Wow, really nice house. Pride would say, Yeah, it's a bit too low class for me, actually, you know, after I have to do all these things, and maybe it'll finally suit me. Or you say, you know, I I paid this much and really actually paid less, because you, you just want to want people to think you're just this amazing person. It's pride. Shame wants people to think think you paid less, and so you just explain it away, well, actually it was a foreclosure when maybe it wasn't. Or you had all these problems, and maybe it really didn't. you just try to explain it away because you're ashamed of God's blessings. Never be ashamed of God's blessing. Or you can just be grateful, and you can be thankful. And you say, you know what? I thank God. It's a blessing. Maybe someone comes up to you and you got some fancy shoes on or whatever, and someone could say to you, wow, those are nice shoes. Pride will say, well, I actually got 10 more, and you should get some because yours are really ugly. <laughs> or whatever, I don't know. Shame would say, well, you know, I don't know what would say, got them at Value Village or something like that when you actually got them at a a legit shoe store or something. Uh, You just want people to think you paid less. Gratitude is just like, thank you, thank you. The, The only person that you are accountable to when it comes to how you use your money is God. So don't become prideful, don't become shameful, just be thankful and be filled with gratitude for the blessings of God. Now, the other test is jealousy. Not only would God test us with our own wealth to see if we're going to move towards pride or shame, but God will test us with other people's wealth through jealousy. So what Deuteronomy 5 says. You shall not covet or be jealous or desire or be bitter or whatever over your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, we probably don't get too covetous over our neighbor's ox these days, or donkey, but uh, maybe, maybe neighbor's wife is possibly her husband, or house or land, but it's probably more the car and the yard or the boat, or you know, their vacation or whatever it might be. But it's a test. Again, the test is, are you satisfied in God? Do you really understand that life does not consist in the abundance of things? Because when you become jealous, oh, I wish I had that. If I just had that, my life would be so much better. And if I just had that, I'd be satisfied. If I just had my neighbor's life, I'd be so, that is showing that you are discontented with God. So God will not only test you with your own stuff, but he will actually test you with other people's stuff. How are you going to respond in your heart when it comes to other people's stuff? 1 Timothy 6 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And a poor person or a rich person can have a wrong desire to be rich, to find satisfaction. This is not about being rich and poor. This is about the heart. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, people must quote this all the time and say, the love of money is a root, or is the root. Nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money. For some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so he will test us with other people's wealth. wealth. And we need to learn to find satisfaction in Jesus. And we need to learn to be faithful with what he has given us. And this is what the Bible says. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And this goes for wealthy or for poor that we're to keep our lives free from the love of money and we're to be satisfied and content with what we have. And this is the the weird thing about the scriptures is when you finally find your satisfaction in Jesus and when you finally let go of pride or shame or jealousy and you just become happy with what you have, you will just find the blessing of God resting in a deeper way on your life. The Bible says a lot about this, just being a good steward and being faithful that God may bless you. He may not bless you with lots of wealth. He may bless you in other ways. But I tell you, when you are faithful with whatever you have, whether it's literal or lot, this is somehow God speaks about opening up the door for more blessing in your life. Luke 6. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you're greedy and hoardy, uh, you hoard stuff and you hold on stuff, God will do the same towards you. When you are generous... And thankful and content, then God it just opens up doors for you. Matthew 25, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And we're talking about whoever has. He's talking about whoever has this in terms of faithful stewardship. When you're managing your money and your possessions and your time and your energy God's way, it opens up doors for abundance. 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap Generously, Luke chapter sixteen. Who, whoever can be trusted with very little, can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little, will also be dishonest with much. In other words, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're poor or rich. I mean, if you can't be honest or trustworthy with you have, then God's probably not going to pour out more. I mean, if you uh, hired, you know, someone to take care of your property and they wrecked it. He probably wouldn't hire them back. But if someone comes and they're working for a minimum wage or whatever and they're doing an awesome job, then you want to keep them, you want to give them more because you can trust them. God is the same way. When he sees that we can be trusted with little, then he knows he can trust us with more. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That we need to choose our God. And this is a choice that everyone has to make. Whether you're wealthy or not wealthy. That we need to choose Jesus. It is in him that we find the deepest satisfaction. And when you learn to be content with what you have. And you learn to be faithful and grateful and generous with what you have. This opens up. Doors for God to bless us. When we hoard and are prideful, because the Bible says he fights against the pride, but gives grace to the humble. That's the same in the world of our money and possessions. That if we're prideful and we hold on to it and hoard, God does not bless that. The blessing is released when we're faithful with our time, energy, and money. George Mueller, if you ever read his biography? Awesome. If you haven't, you gotta read it. He's a guy who started all these orphanages. He never asked for a cent but just being faithful with what he had, God blesses ministry. And this is what he says. We must be willing to live as the Lord's steward. If anyone does not give out of the blessings which the Lord gives to him, then the Lord, who influences the hearts of his children to give, would soon cause those channels to be dried up. My good income increased even more when I determined that by God's help, because we can't do this alone. His poor and his work would be helped by my money. From that time on, the Lord was pleased to entrust me with more. And that's just the way that God often works in your life. This is not some promise of, you know, if you do this, you're going to be rich and wealthy, because God determines that. But sometimes God does make people rich. Sometimes God blesses us in other ways. Sometimes God will keep us maybe at a different income, but whatever. But no matter what income you are at, just be faithful and generous and grateful. And the saying is so true, that it is more blessed to give than receive. I mean, when you give, it just makes you feel good. When you help someone in need, it just makes you feel good. And that's just a kind of a reminder. (laughs) As we close, I want to show a video clip. It's kind of one of those feel-good video clips, but just a reminder of what God has called us to be like, the kind of heart that we're to have, to be generous, because it is such a blessing. You may have seen this on the Internet at one time. Hey, guys. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been noticing a homeless guy hanging around this local shopping center that I live next to and from what people have told me is that he's a nice and respectable guy. So today I'm going to make him think that he just won the lottery. I'm going to give him this supposed winning lottery ticket, take him to the store and see how much money is won from this ticket. But little does he know is that this is a losing lottery ticket and the store clerk is in on it. Hope you guys enjoy the video. Listen man, I don't really have any money Uh to give you but I do have this Winning lottery ticket. I don't really know how much I won. I can give this to you. Okay. You sure, my man. Yeah, I could take you to the store and we could get this cash. All right. How's that sound? That's cool, my friend. Let's do this, brother. How are you? How am I just want to see if we won. Oh my God! Guess what? One thousand dollars. One thousand yeah. dollars. You want $1,000. You're kidding me, right? You're kidding me, right? I'm not kidding. Come on, man. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. so lucky. Okay, here's your money. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm not kidding you, man. <laughs> I wanna share it, my friend. Oh come on, that's all yours, man. To share it. No, man. that's all yours, man. It's right here, enough for me. It's all good. I would like to share it with you, big guy. You earned it. You won the lottery, man. here <laughs> well let's get out of here I've been doing this for a long time. And notice what he did when he got, first inclination was, was to give, and that is to be our heart. God, God has blessed us in so many ways. Let's pray. God, we thank you, God, that you have blessed us in so many ways. God, whether we are uh, wealthy here or not wealthy here, God, we, we just thank you, God, for the many blessings in our life. And God, we just uh, pause in our own hearts, God, and we ask you, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, what do you want to say to us through what we've heard today?